0: worship but if you don't mind uh, stand one more time and then we'll read the word together and uh, then you can be seated Esther chapter 2 I'm going to read the first four verses if I can then I will introduce my message the Bible says that after these things when the wrath of King Ahasuerus was appeased he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what she what was decreed against her? Then said the king's servants that ministered unto him, Let there be fair young virgins sought for the king. Let the king appoint officials in all the provinces of his kingdom, that they may gather together all the fair young virgins unto Sushan, the palace, to the house of the women, unto the custody of Higi, the king's chamberlain, keeper of the women let their things for purification be given them. And let the maiden which pleaseth the king be the queen instead of Vashti. And the thing pleased the king and he did so. You can be seated uh, this morning and thank you for standing and thank you for your worship. I'm going to be preaching, I, I only have one or two messages I think that I've ever preached out of the book of Esther. Uh, Most of us are familiar with the book, and uh, I love the book of Esther. I love it because I love history, and Esther is a book of history. Uh, I was found that in my study of of Esther that uh, God is not mentioned in this book by by person. Jehovah is not mentioned. uh, None of these things that we would associate with the biblical book but his footprint and his fingerprint, I should say, is all through the book and uh, favor. You'll find favor is mentioned in every chapter of the book of Esther. Esther historically falls about 53 years after the book of Daniel was finished. And Ahasuerus, or Reus, the king, is better known by Xerxes. And Xerxes was a very powerful Persian king Uh, And this falls right into the middle of the history books of Ezra and Nehemiah. So in that period of history is where the book of Esther falls. She probably had a lot to do with how Xerxes or Ahasuerus responded to uh, her request that we're going to talk about some today and about the outcome for the Jews that we read about, particularly at Ezra and Nehemiah but it's a very powerful book that has four major themes that I want to talk about today. And uh, I want us to think about how that when we look at Esther, that she was probably a teenager because the Bible says that in this event, and I'm going I'm to lay all this out, but that they wanted fair young virgins to become the queen. So that probably fell into the teenage category. She was an orphan. Her parents had died. They were in a part of the uh, carrying away from uh, Jerusalem to live in Persia. And her parents had died, and she was raised by her older cousin, whose name was Mordecai. And from, the, from that position, that very humble beginning, Esther became the queen of the, of the most powerful nation on earth, at the time, not only did she become the queen, but she was able to save her people, the Jews, uh, from destruction. And when I was thinking about this, I, I, my, my mind, I'm, 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 I'm fighting to stay focused today because there's so much that I want to talk about. I'm going to make myself stay focused. That's one reason why I use outlines because it makes me stay focused because I like to talk about lots of things. But my mind has been where a lot of us have been. I have been just overwhelmed by the anointing and this revival anointing that is sweeping the land. I went to watch, and I'm not going to talk about it other than to put a plug in for the movie, Jesus Revolution. If you've not gone, go. Go and watch it. It is a very moving, historical movie that is absolutely powerful. And it speaks to the time that we're in. I don't think for a moment that God does anything by accident. Everything that God does is planned and purpose. God is not random. He doesn't respond to our randomness. He doesn't respond to our, our personal crises. God has a plan. And so there's no, no secret why that the movie was released when it was. No secret why that this great revival that broke out at... Uh, and Asbury has swept the nation, and it has, and it's still sweeping the nation. You're not hearing as much about it now, but it is. There is a move of God in the land. And when I thought about what God was doing in the land, I, for, I know it was the Holy Ghost that just took me to Esther. And I thought about the revival that we see in the book of Esther. And I see the crisis that is in the book of Esther. And I see how God moved Uh, uh, through the book of Esther and how God brought victory to his people. And I thought to myself, I said to myself, I said, we're living in this. We are living in the times of Esther. And I said to myself, we need an Esther anointing to make it through the times that we're living in. And that's why I call this message today uh, uh, the living in the Esther anointing. Because Esther was written in a time of crisis. I don't know if you pay attention or not that much, or if you even care, but we are living, our nation is in a great crisis. Our nation is being pulled in every direction. There is division in the land like I've never witnessed and never seen for me. Now, I'm 69 years old, and I was alive in the 60s, and I was a kid. I graduated in high school in 1972, but I do remember that in the 60s, I do remember all the upheaval that was caused in the land because of the Vietnam War and because of the race relations and cities were burning and there, was, uh, there, was, there, were, uh, there were conflicts everywhere. And I remember that. I remember uh, Nikita Khrushchev for you old folks. I remember him when he was uh, the head of the Soviet Union. I remember seeing him on television. I remember seeing him threatening America with, with nuclear attack. I remember the Cuban Missile Crisis whenever President John F. Kennedy stood up to to Nikita Khrushchev. I remember all that. I was a kid, but I remember that. I remember mom and dad watching it on television. I remember I was uh, nervous about everything. and, And I remember those days. But I have never, I've never remembered a time of internal struggle like America is in today. We are fighting issues and things that some of us are blown away by. And the crisis is pulling at all of us. The crisis is pulling at churches, it's pulling at families, it's pulling at friends, and we're living in a time of crisis. But I want to remind you this morning that in a time of crisis, God stands tall, hallelujah. God is not taken back by our crisis. God is sitting on the throne of glory. You and I might be wringing our hands. You and I might be torn up. You and I might be troubled. But I want to tell you something, God's not. God is not troubled. God is not nervous. God is not afraid. God is not wondering what he's going to do because I'm telling you, Berea Church of God, God has a plan. Is anybody glad about that today? God has a plan. And God's plan is going to be fulfilled. And God is going to do what God is going to do. And what you and I have got to do is allow God just to flow through us and use us for his glory so that we might impact the world that God has planted us in. There's a crisis because as I read Vashti, and I'm not gonna go through all of it because there's not time, but Vashti, the queen, was disposed because she was disobedient to her husband, the king. So he kicked her out. It was going to bring another queen in and that's where we come to Esther. There was a plot to assassinate the king that Esther's cousin Mordecai heard about and he turned in the uh, the, the uh, potential assassins and saved the king's life. That was recorded in the chronicles of the kings of Persia. That was significant. There was an evil man by the name of Haman. Haman was uh, probably... Uh, an Amalekite that hated Israel and hated the Jews and wanted to see them destroyed, hated Mordecai because Mordecai wouldn't bow down to him because Haman was a high-ranking official. And so he was burning with hatred and wanted to exterminate every Jew in Persia. And he got the king to go along with him. That's a crisis. Whenever the king sent word out how he was going to choose his new queen, There was a call that went out, and that's what we read in the text, that a call went out to all the young virgins of the land that fit the bill. They had to be beautiful and pleasant to the king, and they were gathered into the harem where he was going to go through a process of choosing who his new wife would be. And in this group was this little teenage Jewish girl, an orphan by the name of, Esther, that was her Persian name. But her Jewish name was Hadassah. Hadassah in the Jewish tongue literally means a myrtle tree. A myrtle tree that had a righteous uh, uh, meaning and was very fragrant. So as we know, most of us know, that Old Testament names very often went with the personality or the anointing that was on that person. And so, Edessa or Esther, had this anointing on her life as a girl, that where she was a pleasant, righteous person, that God looked over all the land of Persia, all those young ladies, all those potential queens, and yet he saw one that he determined and decided would fulfill the role that he had in mind Uh, for Persia and for the Jews and her name was Esther and God laid his hand on her. Now I want to tell you right now, I don't understand favor. I don't get it at all. I remember... I mean, I, I I don't know year and date, but whenever T.D. Jakes, he was you know big. Remember that he was big on talking about favor. Remember what he would always say. T.D. Jakes would always say he would say favor ain't fair. And people begin to quote T.D. Jakes and say you know favor ain't fair. And, and I'm not going to argue with that at all because I don't get favor. I don't understand it. But I just know this about favor. Favor is when God, for whatever reason, looks through all the masses and all the people and all the churches. And all the individuals and decides for whatever reason he's going to lay his hand on somebody specifically and do something for somebody because the sovereign God has made that decision. Now I don't understand why that, that, that Asbury has been blessed with a, with a nation changing revival two times in its history. I don't get that. I don't get that. I said here on a Wednesday night, I may mean, have said it on Sunday morning, I can't remember, but I said something sometime that for goodness sake, they're in a Methodist college, you know, and uh, and they're not, they wouldn't praying, to my knowledge, praying for revival and they wouldn't advertising for revival. They were just having a chapel service and God decided that he was gonna move in a chapel service and here we are today. I wanna tell you something, Maria Church of God, when I begin to understand a little bit about the favor of God, I have no jealousy for what God is doing anywhere. I bless what God is doing. I don't care where it's at, who it is, If God's in it, I'm for it. Hallelujah to God. Come on, somebody help me preach, will you? I mean, I honor the favor of God. And why he chose her is not important to me. I just know that he did. And so the anointing, of uh, the Esther anointing begins by understanding something about being chosen of God. I want to tell y'all something. If you're saved today, you didn't choose him. He chose you. If you're saved today, you just didn't fall into a church one day and mumble and stumble down an, uh, an, an aisle way and fall into an altar. God chose you. I testified to my class this morning a little bit about my calling. And I'm going to be extremely brief. But I thought, you know, I, I was 18 years old and thought I was big and bad and thought all this kind of stuff. And my sister well, was at at, uh, at a revival and My sister said, Steve, go to revival with me. And you know, big bad boy. I said, yeah, okay, if you want me to go, I'll go. But I had no idea at the time that God had a plan for my life and that God, that was God orchestrating my direction and got me in a Pentecostal church to hear a Pentecostal revivalist talk about the blood of Jesus and salvation. And I found my way in an, in an aisle. I found my way in an altar. I prayed my way through, and here I am today. Hallelujah to God. I don't understand all that, but I tell you, I'm not gonna reject it. Somebody help me give God praise, will you? I'm telling you, God is good. And God knows how to make all this work for us. And so God chooses us and the anointing helps us realize then that we are chosen of God. Mark 3 and 13, Jesus, the Bible tells us what he gathered is his 12. says that he called unto him whom he would and they came to him. It was his choice. There were other followers but there were only 12 that were the inner circle. Ephesians 1 and 4 said that according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless and and walk in love. John 15, 16, I love, where Jesus just flatly told him, he said, you've not chosen me, I've chosen you. So we sit here today. You saved folks, sit here today. You unsaved folks, sit here today. You backsliders, sit here today. And you know what God has done for you? You want to tell you what God's done for you? We just talked about it at communion, what he's done for you. Whether you are walking in it or not, he shed blood for you. His body was broken for you. He came, he left heaven for you. He lived as a man for you. He was all God and all man at all times. He made a way for you to get right with God. He made a way for you to have a home in heaven. And you may be sitting here today and you may not be living in that and you may not be walking in that. But guess what God has done? God has put his hand on your life and God has directed you to this place to hear a gospel preacher just like I did when I was 18 years old. And I'm telling you, if you're not serving the Lord, it's time to serve him because things are getting tough and they're going to get tougher. Things are wrapping up. Jesus is coming back. Somebody help me give God a praise in the house will you I mean it's time it's time and he's chosen us and when we minister to a world we minister to a world not in the name of the church of God I'm church of God I love the church of God but my my identity is not church of God my identity is Christian my identity is the blood the blood of Jesus. My identity is my relationship with him. And I, and I do that through the ministry of this wonderful church called the Church of God. I realize that God has favored me like he favored uh, uh, Hadassah or Esther. And so I understand that when we walk in the Esther anointing, we walk in the, we know we're chosen of God. The chosen of God. secondly, Esther walked not only as a chosen vessel, but Esther prepared herself for her role. I read this verse uh, whenever she was brought to the head of the harem and Esther two in verse nine says that the maiden who was Esther pleased him, the guy that was over the harem, And she obtained kindness of him and he preferred her. I read that and I thought, out of all that, here's what kills me. And the maiden pleased him. You know what I thought today before you got here? I was walking around the halls of this church, turning on lights, unlocking doors, making sure the heat or air was on, whatever was needed. And I got the air on in here because I got a cue in the back. Somebody was just fanning the, their hair off, you know. So I knew it got a little bit warm, but, they, but the air is on. And I was walking around preaching to myself, preaching out loud to myself. If you ever walk in and I don't know you here, you may find me acting nuts because I do crazy things when I'm by myself. And I'm walking around the outside of this church, the the hallways, preaching. And I'm preaching being pleasant. And I'm preaching how that what got the eye of the keeper of the harem was that Esther was pleasant. Let me ask you something. What's wrong with being nice? Lots of people reject the church because we're not nice. Lots of people reject preachers because they're not nice. Lots of people turn preachers off and turn churches off and don't even want to give us the time of day because we're not nice to them in restaurants. Not nice to them when we when we drive. (laughs) Not nice. I thought about. I remembered something when I was a boy. I'm not a boy. A new Christian. And I'm attending this wonderful church where I got saved in. The pastor's name was R.D. Lawson. Fantastic pastor and a wonderful preacher. R.D. Lawson had a daughter. And I won't say her name because this has been recorded. I don't want anybody to think that I'm talking about somebody that may hear this and be offended. But he had a daughter and she and I were friends. We were just friends. Didn't date or anything, we were just friends. And so I'm a, new, I'm a new Christian and she asked me to come over and to fellowship. That's what Christians call hanging out. And so I went over to fellowship, just fellowship. And so I'm over there fellowshipping. <laughs> I love fellowship, by the way. And I'm fellowshipping with his daughter. And he and... Brother and sister Lawson were home. They're home. They're in bed. His daughter and I are in the living room talking. And all of a sudden I hear somebody coming, and it's Brother Lawson, fully dressed. Socks, shoes, dress pants, and a white shirt tucked in with a belt. In the middle, got out of bed and got dressed. And walked into the living room and told me to leave. Now, he said it nice. He let me know that he loved me. He let me know they had an extra bedroom if I wanted to spend the night. Said, you're welcome to stay. He said, but Brother Steve, it's time to go if you're not going to spend the night. And the reason I bring that up is because he kicked me out of his house the most nicest way anybody could kick me out of their house. I mean, he was so kind to me. He was such a nice man, a loving man, a kind man. And I adored him. I wasn't offended by that. I didn't get mad at that. I was a little bit embarrassed, but I wasn't angry. He was as nice as he could be. Hey, Berea Church of God, what's wrong with being nice to people? There's a ministry in niceness. There's a ministry of being pleasant for goodness' sakes. And that same church. I had a friend, he was a little older than me and he got married and he was very young in his early 20s and his little wife was, uh, you know, early 20s and wasn't raised in that church and she joined the church and they came up and I think two other girls were with her it's not important but two or three, four girls standing there joining the church in this holiness Pentecostal church and Brother Lawson, this very kind man is receiving them as members and he turns around and asks the congregation, he said, Is there that this is the way they did it? He said, Is there anyone here that has a just reason why they cannot become members of this church? An old man stood up, pointing his finger at that little girl that just got married, wasn't raised in the church, but she was saved, and he pointed his finger at that little girl. He said, Brother Lawson. I don't believe that young lady needs to be a member of this church with a short skirt on like that. The little girl hung her head. I, I hope I never forget that. She hung her head in embarrassment and shame and began to cry. And Brother Law said, I won't go into it, but he dealt with that man and shut him up and set him down. And he said if he didn't, he would, he would take, bring charges against him and kick him out of the church. I love it. So what's wrong with being nice? Do you realize that the, that the more revival happens, that the more nice we're going to have to be? Do you realize what the, what the wave of God brings in? When I came in, I was a nobody. I'm still a nobody, don't get me wrong. I was just a kid. I had nothing. I, I worked just enough to have money to put gas in my car and, and to do what I wanted to do. I had nothing. I had no future. I had no money. I had no position. Nothing about the name Steve Hobbs meant nothing to nobody. And I'm going to that church, and they fell on me and loved on me, prayed for me, took care of me. And, and I'm telling you, I am here today because I got saved in a church that cared about me. I got saved in a church, a holiness Pentecostal church, an old-fashioned one, but they loved me like I was one of their own for all of my life. I want to tell you, Berea Church of God, I know you agree with me. I know you do, but as long as God gives me breath, I'm going to love everybody that walks through the door. I don't care what they look like. I don't care what they smell like. I don't care where they've been. I don't care. I want to love people. Because I was loved and I was a nobody. And I want to love people, don't you? Esther was pleasant. The anointing of God requires pleasantness on our part. She was pleasant and she purified herself. Verse 12 of chapter two tells us that she was given cosmetics and myrrh for a year. A year, six months each of just every day rubbing that myrrh, that, that sweet perfume on her. And cosmetics, that means a different kind of spices, all in order to stand before the king. That is a symbol of the fragrance of worship. Because the Bible says in John 12 and 3, that when Mary... had a a box of ointment. She broke it open, poured it on the feet of Jesus and the odor of the ointment filled the house. I want to tell you, Berea Church of God, uh, worship will follow you everywhere you go. If you really worship God and you go to a restaurant after church, it's gonna follow you to the restaurant. It's gonna follow you home. It's gonna follow you to the prayer meeting tonight. Whatever you do today or tomorrow, this worship moment will follow you and it will, it will mark you and people will know you've been in the presence of God. But if you mean at your server because you got the order wrong or the cook messed it up and you're gonna teach her a lesson and not tip her or talk hateful to her, you've ruined every opportunity you've got to win her. I don't wanna brag on on us. It's not my intention. But there's a young lady that's been attending here for a while. And when I ask her why she's here, because I ask people that, what got you here? You know what she said? She said, You were nice. You were nice. Served us in a restaurant, and we were nice. The people there said we were nice. So, if you want to go to a church, go there because they're nice. I know that might sound self serving to you, but I count that as a wonderful compliment. And I don't mind telling you they said that not only about me, they said that about us. I'm glad to be known as a nice church. How about you? Let them come. Let them come. Let them come. Let them come. Whosoever will, let them come. We're going to be nice. We're going to love people because the anointing of Esther demands niceness. Give God a good hand of praise if you agree with me, please. The the cosmetics... Uh, signified a purification and anointing. Let me quickly move on. The, the, third, the third thing, verse 15 says of chapter two, very simply that when it came her turn and I told the class Wednesday night that that spoke to me and I wrote down as I knew I was going to be preaching this and I wrote down and said, it's our turn. Berea Church of God, It's our turn. Berea Church of God, I said it's our turn. Others have had their turn, now it's our turn. God wants to use us. God wants to do something here. God is building the church here for his glory. I'm not gonna talk about the vision I have because that's for another day. But I'm telling you, I see I see greatness in this place. Hallelujah to God. And when I say greatness, I don't mean I don't mean in a carnal way. I'm talking about in a spiritual way. I see a Holy Ghost magnet drawing people to this house. I see altars filled with sinners being saved. I see income that allows us to reach out like we've never done before. Hey, Berea Church of God, I got a vision for this place and I want you to be a part of the vision that God has for this place I'm telling you it's time to walk in an anointing of God that stands up would not be cocky and not be arrogant but to say it's my turn now I'm going to do something for God because it is my turn and my turn may not come again somebody help me praise the Lord in this house my turn All the others had their turn, now it's our turn. It's it's the evangelical church's turn. It's time for us to see what God's gonna do. We're a chosen generation, Simon Peter wrote. We are a part of a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We're called to show forth the praises of Him who has saved us and brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Hey, Berea Church of God, it's our turn. Carmen used to sing a song that said, it's our turn now. Berea Church of God, it's our turn. It's our turn to show forth the praises of God who saved us and who washed us and who cleansed us. Hallelujah to God. Somebody give God praise in the house today, and it's our turn now. That's the Esther anointing. Esther anointed anointing understood about being chosen, understood about being pleasant and preparation, I should say. But she also, and I'm getting ready to close in about five minutes, between five and 50, so hang with me, please. <laughs> Intercession. Esther prepared for a crisis. Delaney, can we put chapter four, verse 13 on the screen, please? And be ready to look at verse 14 as well, please. Esther 4:13. Then Mordecai, her cousin, commanded uh, to, uh, to answer Esther. Now this is when he found out that the Jews were going to be exterminated, and he said, "You're the queen. you have a position to do something about this." And Esther said, "I don't think I can." So that's Mordecai responds and said and commanded to answer Esther. He said, think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. Next verse, please. For if thou altogether hold your peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. That's faith, isn't it? But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed and who knows whether thou art. He said, whether thou art, come into the kingdom now. You are here for this time. Every now and then I would hear people say things like, boy, if I only lived in the days of Jesus. You are living in the days of Jesus. If I only lived in the days of the Apostle Paul, you are living in the days of the Apostle Paul. You're living in the days of Joel 2. Behold, saith the Lord, in the last days, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. The young maids and maidens will, will... Yes, be filled. Thank you. So understand that you are saved for this moment. You are here for this moment. You are here for such a time as this. Your turn is now. Your turn is this moment. Not the next revival not next year, not when you turn 20, not when you turn 40, not when you're married and got all your kids raised, not when you got your, uh, not when you got your uh, career secure. No, 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 no. Your time is now. Your time is now. God wants to use you now. God wants to do something for you now. God wants to do something in you now. I'm telling you, Berea Church of God, it's your turn now for such a time as this. The anointing of God says now is your time. Now is your opportunity. If you're going to do something for God, get to it. The fields are wide in the harvest. The spirit of God is moving. Conviction is gripping hearts. It's time now. One of my favorite verses is Proverbs 22:3, 3, where the writer said that a prudent man foreseeth evil and he hides himself, but the simple just pass on. A prudent man can see what's coming. A prudent man can discern what's coming. But simple-minded folks just go on their way and act like we're going to be here forever. You're not going to be here forever. This church will not be here forever. Every living thing has a life cycle. Including the church, this local church. There will be a day that probably will not be a Church of God if the Lord tarries is coming way down the road. My point is that if we're going to do anything for God, we've got to do it now. If you want your life right with God, it's got to get right now. The Esther anointing has called us for such time as this. Esther, when she prepared for the crisis, called a fast. She told her cousin, have people fast. I will have my maidens fast. They fasted. And then in, in chapter five and verses one through three, after she had fasted and after they had prayed, they go, she goes to the king. Now I, I know, and I'm getting ready to close. I promise I am. But we, 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 we can't relate to all this because this is a, a kingdom a long time ago. Things were certainly not like this now. Even for the king's wife, the queen, she could not have free access to him. She could not just go to him. This arrogant pagan king had a thing that the Bible calls the golden scepter. So it was just, you know, something that kings held in their hand and it was gold, or at least gold color and you could not approach him if he saw you like at the door and knew that you may want to talk to him. If he would allow it, he would lift the scepter toward you. That was a sign of approval. If he pointed the golden scepter at you, you could come and talk to him. If you came anyway, you could face execution. He saw his new wife Hadassah, Esther, standing to the side, waiting, and he pointed the golden scepter to her as she came and interceded and told him what she begged him to do. God has pointed, Tom, would you come up, please? He has pointed the scepter to us. You have open access to God any time anywhere, any place. I love to drive and pray. My two favorite places to pray, my intercessory prayer, is the prayer room in my car. I love just to get in my car and drive. If I'm going to be in the car for an hour, 45 minutes, most of the time I just spend the time praying. I just love to be in my car and pray. I love the privacy and I love all of that. And I can't tell you the times that I've thanked God that my prayer doesn't have to be in a a fancy place with a golden altar and stained glass windows or even a place like this. God hears you anywhere, anytime, any place. The opportunity to come before God is extended to us. That's up to us to come. Jesus said, come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. You'll find rest for your soul. That's what he said in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. She came and shared her heart with her husband and he was moved by her intercession. And where Haman had convinced him to allow the Jews to be destroyed, he rescinded the order. Haman lost his life, and God used this little orphan teenage girl named with the Persian name Esther to save a nation. That anointing is on us today. It's our turn. Who knows what God'd do? Who knows the people God is safe? Who knows the cities that will be turned around? The campuses that will never be the same. Who knows? Who knows what God's gonna do to a group of people that understand that they have access to God? Opportunity to come before God. That know their call of God. That have prepared themselves to minister for God. That 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 see times coming. That intercede whenever there's needs. Because God has promised us some great victory. The Bible tells us some about the victory that Esther led them in. Or because of her they, they had. Because the Bible says in, in Esther 8, 16, 17. That the Jews had light and gladness and joy and honor and every every province and every city Jews had joy and gladness and many of the people became Jews for the fear of the Jews fell on them. Doesn't the Bible say that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink but peace, love and joy in the Holy Ghost? Doesn't it say that? I was walking down the the, the hallway uh, before Sunday school started and And I told Opal and I I had a brief conversation in the hallway. And her class, you that were in her class, you were just chattering and visiting and laughing. And I told Opal, I said, you know what that is? That's the sound of joy. That's the sound of joy right there. I want to tell you, Bria, Church of God, ain't nobody going to be drawn to sourpusses. They're going to be drawn to joy. They're not going to be drawn to churches that are dead and dry. They're going to be drawn to churches that are alive and full of joy. I want to tell you, the Lord, the Lord doesn't hold me down. The Lord lifts me up. I don't feel like my God in heaven. I I, I don't feel like that I'm missing anything. I'm telling you, I'm walking in the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm telling you, I love him. Do I have a witness in the house today? I'm telling you, I, I love him. They became Jews. Non Jews became Jews because they walked in victory and they saw the joy on their, and they heard the joy. And boy, serving God ain't so bad, is it? Oh, holiness churches like ours don't have to be old, sourpuss Christians. Last time I looked, the Holy Ghost is symbolized with wine and wine is a symbol of joy. I've got our kids used to sing, I got the joy, 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 joy. Where? Have you? Have you? You guys hold up just a minute. Let's go to Nashville and cut a record. Let's everybody stand up. We're going to form the Berea Church of God choir right now. Are you ready? Let me be your leader. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. Down in my heart. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay. Here's the second verse. I know the devil doesn't like it, but it's Mine anyhow, mine anyhow, mine anyhow. I know the devil doesn't like it, but it's mine anyhow, mine anyhow to stay. Have you got it? Have you got it? Anybody got any joy today? Anybody got any happiness today? Anybody feel like that you're gonna witness somebody and you're gonna lead them to Christ? Does anybody feel like God's about to blow the doors off the kingdom of God? Hey, does anybody believe that? Come on, somebody, help me preach. Does anybody believe that God's about to heal somebody, save somebody, deliver somebody, set somebody free? Come on now, somebody. I'm telling you, the joy of the Lord is our strength, now, one more thing. Nehemiah 8 and 8 that says that the joy of the Lord's of strength or yeah, the, joy of the, Lord, the joy of the Lord's of strength. That word joy in the Hebrew text literally means rejoicing. The word strength means a fortress. It just means that when you rejoice, God builds a fort around you. That just means the devil can't get to you as long as you're rejoicing. But rejoicing is something you do. And you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna rejoice.